In the fall, I preached a sermon about Moses, and as it says in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that Moses was slow of speech. They think maybe he stuttered, and I preached on emotional, being emotionally slow of speech, and I focused on men's vulnerability. But the rest of the Moses story is important as well. And this is one of the passages I also wanted to preach on and knew I'd get to it. And so today I have. It's from the third chapter of the book of Exodus. Moses has been a slave in Egypt, as have all the Israelites prior to this passage. And also prior to these verses, Moses has escaped Egypt, but he has murdered one of Pharaoh's men. He's a wanted man. So the story begins with Moses in safety. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. He led the flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked. The bush was blazing. Yet it was not consumed. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are slaves in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. So, come. I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. This ends the reading from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, book of Exodus. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. December 31st was a propitious day for me. I know it's New Year's Eve, end of one year, start of another, but you know, in reality, that's kind of made up, right? We just, it's a line of demarcation in how we list the year. So yeah, New Year's Eve is fun. December 31st was much more important to me, and it had nothing to do with New Year's Eve. My daughter Caroline was beginning the last trimester of college. And I was driving her that day up to her friend's house who would then drive around to school. And I realized, Caroline being our youngest, starting her last trimester of college, this was it. This was the last time I would drive one of our children to school. Huh. I mean, it's become almost iconic in my mind, those experiences. I've enjoyed it most of the time. And then, 
you can couple that rather tender experience as I drove back thinking this was really the last time I'll do this. I had a conversation with a mom this week who's the parent of a college student whose son is still home from school. And she was delighted to have her son home. But I also remember this too. She was so ready to send him back. And so the last driving of a youngest child to school and, and the conversation with that mom brought to mind a scene that I remember described by a Christian novelist and thinker, Frederick Beatner. Beatner and his wife drove their twin daughters to college. This was the first time they did. And when they got to the campus, they located the address of the two dorms. They formed in each of the dorms the traditional sort of seemingly endless caravan of carrying clothes and books and pillows and sheets to each of their respective rooms. Then Beekner and his wife also had the obligatory meeting of the roommate's parents. They took their daughters to dinner, returned them each to their dorms, kissed their daughters goodbye. Beekner remembers they got back in the car, and I've experienced this a number of times as well, and he and his wife were quiet for a while. Until one of them said, all right, come on, things won't change that much. We'll see him fairly soon. And they didn't see him fairly soon, but Beekner said they were a little wrong about things not changing. Because from that time forward, their home would be a place for their daughters to visit. And so two of the most beloved people in his life were moving on, and it was joyous, into their own lives as adults. Beekner said, unfortunately, I was caught looking the other way. Well, he also went on to say something about that experience that I think really helps us enter into the story of Moses. Because Beekner goes on to describe what is a very well, elusive equilibrium, a very delicate balance that we seek between intimacy and distance in almost every loving relationship. Bigner said, if love is a matter of holding close the ones we love, sometimes identifying with, even suffering with them, but if love is a matter of holding the ones we love close, Love is also a matter of standing back from them, leaving space for them. He's right. Love is about holding close and standing back. Not just, of course, for maturing children, but for everyone we love. There is that elusive equilibrium between distance and intimacy but it's needed for healthy relationships with a partner, a spouse, a friend, a child. But it's also important for our relationship with God. Because every relationship not only asks for mutual openness, but also for mutual and respectful protection of each other's uniqueness. But as we think about intimacy and distance, I don't want us to confuse something that we sometimes do. Intimacy is not the same as informality. 
Yes, we live in a culture that is growing increasingly informal. But informality is not intimacy. I mean, the United States is considered a rather informal country, though we have regional differences, right? You may think of them as stereotypes. They seem to hold some, some water. I mean, Midwesterners were considered friendly, yet a little shy. People from the East Coast, maybe the most reticent in their communities, sometimes not as permeable as maybe the Midwest's. But you know what they say about our southern friends. Not only are they the friendliest, but they'll also tell you about the surgery they had, and they might pull up their shirt and show you the scar. But that's not intimacy. Informality, going to a restaurant and having the older waitress call you hun doesn't make it intimate. Intimacy is about really being connected, seeking to understand, seeking to care, seeking to support. So intimacy is a good thing, of course, but, but intimacy also has a cautionary side to it, and that's the distance piece. If you can't see any sky in your friendship or your relationship, if you can't see any sky in your marriage, then it might be in trouble. And that is probably good advice for marriage and friendship, but it's also good advice for our relationship with God. So too much intimacy isn't healthy, but neither is too much distance. Relationships become no less problematic or painful when the distance between us grows greater and greater. There is a point at which too much sky leads to loneliness or estrangement. And so in relationships, we are seeking that elusive equilibrium between intimacy and distance. That's what Moses discovers this morning in the reading. I mean, you heard the story, it unfolds. Moses is at a great distance from God. He is a slave in Egypt. He escapes, he thinks he's at a great distance at least, but he escapes and he's free, working for his father-in-law, really sort of tending the sheep. And then the story gets a little scary maybe even a little weird, right? There's a bush that is burning and not consumed by the fire. And then, and then, Moses is called by name. Moses, God says, to be called by name? How much more intimate can that be? The woman who's the creator of the Vietnam War Memorial, Maya Lin, she's both architect and artist as well, but she was once asked why that long line of black granite hold, has such a hold on the psyche of our nation, such a hold on our hearts. And they said, is it, is it the design? I mean, is it the dark granite? And she said, no, it's none of those things. She said, it's the names. That's what matters. The names make all the difference. And in a great moment of intimacy, God calls Moses by name. And then, the balance of distance. 
For God says, now come no closer. Remove your sandals, you stand on holy ground, come no closer. It is a delicate balance, a dance, a minuet between God and Moses, between intimacy and distance. But then God closes the gap again and brings himself so close to Moses, Moses is uncomfortable. For God asks Moses to trust him. I mean, how much more intimate is that? God says, you have to return to Egypt. Return to Egypt? He's a wanted man. You can imagine there's posters with his face all over Egypt. Return to Egypt and help free my people. And you'll go, says God. But know this, I'll go with you. Trust me. The elusive equilibrium of intimacy and distance is sometimes solved by trust. What about the rest of us? I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, I've never seen a burning bush. I've never really literally heard my name called by God. I mean, how do those of us who not been called by name, not seen the burning bush, still experience that intimacy, that balance. Well, I think we have the opportunity because I think we are offered a perfect balance of distance and intimacy with God, a perfection that might even elude us in the rest of our earthly relationships. But that balance of intimacy and distance with God is found, of course, in Jesus. Jesus knows us the human condition intimately. He suffers. He's disappointed. People let him down. He knows the same experiences and even the grief of a friend of the death of Lazarus. He knows what we know. He knows us intimately. And yet Jesus is also distant and different from us. Because in his life of love and justice, he never fails God. And so you and I are offered a delicate and perfect balance of freedom and dependence in Jesus Christ. And I think Beatner wants us to think the same thing because he concludes that reflection about his daughter's journey to college with these words about dependence and freedom. A freedom and dependence that's found in Jesus. When I think of my children, my marriage, my friends, and my relationship with God, I think of Jesus. For Jesus did what he could for the sick, and then he moved on to whomever needed him next. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He loved Jerusalem. But he let Jerusalem choose its own way. I think of Jesus, he said, who keep, kept his disciples close but also had to face some things alone. In Christ, God comes so close to you and to me because Jesus took our human form, knows all our joys and sorrows, and in Christ, God is distant from us as well in that Jesus never fails God. Close, yet distant. And so it must be for us with God right now.
until that day we all gather around God's throne and then fully know to whom we truly belong.